If you could control time, what would you do with it? Would you go back and save a friend or see a loved one that you lost? Well, whatever you're going to do is probably better than what happens in this god-awful movie we're about to talk about. Lara Croft. I don't believe it. You are still pretending to be a photojournalist? Are you still pretending to be an archaeologist? That's right. We're going all the way back to 2001 to talk about Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. And if you didn't get it from the clip we just played, good for you. If you've never seen this movie, you're in the right. Just don't ever. Though, Sorry. Though I'm a little surprised if people haven't watched this movie. I feel like it was super big when it came out. It was huge. But, you know. I mean, I hadn't watched it, so yeah. <laughs> this so, was my first time watching it for this podcast. So, sorry, guys. A little uh, forewarning here. I'm not a fan of this movie, but it mostly, I think, has to do with Angelina Jolie, who I am not a fan of at all. I don't think she's a good actress. I think she had a very unique look, and so studios gravitated to her, plus she comes from famous parents, so Nepo all the way. Now, is she in the same vein of, like, a Megan Fox to you, where she was hired just for her looks for the longest time? No, I think she was hired because she's a Nepo baby, and her parents <laughs> got her roles, and she has a unique look. I would rather watch a Megan Fox movie than any Angelina Jolie movie. That's fair. She actually has done a lot better things in her roles. Like, she she got pigeonholed for a little while, but she has done some interesting right, like she things. She has a great role in This Is 40 funny funny comedy and she has a great little role in it apparently she's great in jennifer's body. jennifer's body is an amazing film we're gonna cover it this this upcoming halloween season oh good i've, I've never it. seen that one either and i've been kind of just waiting for yeah. this <laughs> but yeah i uh i'm not a fan of hers i think she got cast in these roles because she has a unique look and could do some physicality so they were like hey we don't have a female action star that's like leading hollywood right now put her in there I actually prefer her more when she does a little underrated things or like a little more, what's the word I'm looking for here? More reserved things like Girl Interrupted. Yeah. She's fantastic in that movie. Is she the headliner in that one or no? One of the, yeah. I think that that might be the thing is she can't be the main person in a movie. Right. Because like, her mi in um, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, I actually really enjoyed that one. Eh. I mean. I, I will always hate that movie because I am totally on the uh brad and jennifer train ah. and that movie is what ruined it and That's fair. it's so hard in hollywood like you see these couples constantly divorce after being together for a while and people can just never stay together so like the fact that this is what and now he's no longer with angelina so it's like damn brad what are you doing it's hard it's hard out here for a pimp Be <laughs> i was gonna say being famous and trying to have a relationship is apparently very very hard to do well you know my theory my theory oh yeah if you are in a famous relationship one person cannot be more famous than the other or it will never work mm -hmm. so if you were both famous when you got together awesome and then if you both get out of the limelight awesome but if all of a sudden one of them starts getting famous again divorce is imminent they just can't handle it there are very few relationships that can fragile egos yeah yeah so all right anyway now that we've done the whole love doctor of Hollywood thing, let's talk <laughs> about the movie. So this is the first time you've seen Lara Croft, Tomb Raider. Yeah, I was actually really, I want to say almost excited to watch this movie because I enjoyed playing 
Lara Croft Tomb Raider, the video game. Now, Wait, like my, the originals or like the remakes? The remakes. I will admit I never got into the originals. I was just, that was past, or I was past that time when those were like super popular or I just didn't have the right system for them. But I did uh, play the newer ones, which I really enjoyed. I was terrible at them. I literally called it the Lara Croft uh, death simulator because my person fell to their death like 20 times in a row. But I enjoy it. I like the idea of having this kind of female action star who's basically Indiana Jones, but female. Yeah. Did you hear that, Jennifer Lawrence? I know you're not listening, but if you are, did you hear that? Female action stars existed before you. Crazy concept. <laughs> Idiot. Oh my god, that ruined everything. Another, she said another, that. Female act, another female actress. Duh, redundancy. Another female actor that I can't stand. But... I was I was excited for this story. I wanted to see where they would take this character. Oh yeah, and we'll get into that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> um, I th- I saw this movie for the first time on TV, like on TBS or TNT or something, where it just plays stuff all day long. And I caught it on TV one time, and I watched it, and it was fine. I was bored by it, but like it was fine. It was cool. Like seeing a, a video game character come to life. Like this was one of the first ones that did that, where you're mm-hmm. like, oh, that's kind of cool yeah kind of cool but then i was like you're no mortal Kombat," which we covered last week so if you guys haven't listened to that one go check it out it's awesome but nothing in this movie even as like what 2001 i caught it in 2002 i was 16 when i saw this movie eh. I, I, i've never found angelina jolie hot so for me it wasn't like oh man she's so hot in this movie i gotta see this movie like some of my friends at the time I just kind of didn't care. I mean, you didn't even get excited at the side boob? There's side boob? There, There is. It shows how little I can pay attention to this movie then. Because <laughs> this is not the first. This isn't even the second time I've seen this movie. I've seen bits and pieces of this movie for the last 20 years that it's been out. Because it will be on TV and you're like scrolling through and you're like, oh, all right, it's on. I watched that part. All right, whatever, I'm done. And you just turn it off. Yeah. All right. So you never played the original video games. I did not. I did. Let me just say, they were terrible. They were awful (laughs) and terrible at the same time. They were amazing for when they came out. But then, like, the whole backstory of, hey, did you know if you input a code, you can make her topless? It's just a square, guys. Who cares? (laughs) Knock it off. But that, like, escalated that game to a whole nother stratosphere. Because I don't think the game itself was really that good. But once you started hearing about this, like, you can get her naked code and you can enlarge her boobs code and like all this other stuff. All of a sudden that game became really popular and spawned an entire franchise, which I think would have died out without those, without those rumors. Which is so sad. So very sad that that's what it took to have a female be the lead of this action video game. Yeah. Well, I mean, if it was a better game, it wouldn't matter if it was a man or a woman, but the fact that like, so one of the things that pissed me off the most playing this game back in the day was every time you had to like climb up something, it took seven hours because <laughs> Lara Croft would reach up, grab the ledge, you would jump, grab the ledge, she would pull herself up into a handstand oh, and yeah. then come down so you can continue. And the animation was so slow that you just could never, I, it shouldn't take me 20 minutes to get through this cave. Like what is happening right now? <laughs> It was so annoying. I think that's why the game just kind of suffered until uh, those rumors came out. And then they respawned it, and they seem to be pretty great. 
Yeah, I haven't played the new ones, so I can tell you out. if they're great or not. When we're done with this podcast, I'm probably going to end up playing one at some point. Yeah. But 2001 rolls around. The game's been out for, I think it came, the first one came out in 1995 or 96. So the, the game's been out for a couple years now. And they're like, hey, let's make a movie. Because that's worked so well up till this point. <laughs> Super Mario Brothers, Mortal Kombat, Mortal Kombat Annihilation, Tomb Raider. None of those, other than the first Mortal Kombat, are like, good? <laughs> it's hard to make a good video game movie. Yeah, but they, they figured, you want Angelina Jolie, she's like the hottest property in Hollywood right now, let's give it a shot. But, when this movie started, what did Ebert say about it? Was he a fan? He gave it three stars. I was very wow. surprised by that. And he only gave Spider-Man two and a half. Mm. I'm still bitter about that. Oh, yeah. Two and a half stars for Spider-Man, the most influential superhero movie in history. And he gives Lara Croft Tomb Raider three stars. Yeah, I was I was really surprised reading his review. Uh, I actually grabbed two bits of his uh, review to quote here. The first part was, Lara Croft Tomb Raider elevates goofiness to an art form. Here's a movie so monumentally silly, yet so wondrous to look at, that only a troll could find fault. The second bit I grabbed was, Was I filled with suspense? No. Since I had no idea what was going to happen, should happen, shouldn't happen, or what it meant if it did happen, I could hardly be expected to care. But did I grin with delight at the absurdity of it all? You betcha. He, for some reason, got a kick out of this movie. And it, he wasn't like, oh, this is such a great movie. He was like, no, this is absurd. He just enjoyed it. Like, nothing makes sense, but I went into it knowing that nothing was going to make sense. He sat down with his large bucket of popcorn, shoveled it into his mouth, and just went, cool. I watched a movie. Exactly. All right. As of today, we have Rotten Tomato scores. The critic scores with only 162 reviews is at 20%. You say only 162, but that's more than a lot of other movies that you've brought. Like, when we did Batman Forever two weeks ago, there was only, like, 69 reviews. That's true. So, 172 is quite a lot. Yeah. And it was 20%? 20%. Did you hear that, Roger Ebert? I love you, <laughs> but come on, man. All right. What about the audience? The audience has it at a 47%. All right. It's... Higher than I expected, but lower than what roger had it at now 47 is about 100 percent where i expected it to be that's fair angelina jolie's a star people will like it just because she's in it now plus we get appearances from some other people too so yeah now as for the cinema score they had it at a b so it was not quite what everything everyone was expecting of this property but it was still really good yeah because if you guys don't know what the cinema score is it's a company named cinema score who on opening weekends of movies will go to select theaters and as people are leaving the movie, they will ask them to fill out basically a score sheet, survey score like sheet of what they thought of the movie and then grade it based on if their expectations were met. Not if it was good or not, yeah. just if their expectations were met. So the fact that it's a B means this movie did not meet people's expectations, period. I mean... It's better than some other movies, but it's not good. No, not what people expected pretty much at all. Okay, those were those numbers are just, they're all over the place. <laughs> Ebert giving it a three stars, but then Rotten Tomatoes just destroying it. 
but then cinema score just being like it's fine yeah so that's like three that's every level of rating you could give it is yeah right there that's pretty much what people thought of this movie now i'm wondering if that translates to the box office i don't know but it seems like 50 percent of people love it 50 percent of people absolutely hate it <laughs> fantastic all right so the box office here's what we're looking at this movie had a 94 million dollar budget domestically it made 131 million 144 thousand 183 dollars internationally another 142.2 million for a worldwide total of approximately 273.3 million dollars hmm. not bad not great yeah. when you're when your budget's 94 million but you know not bad adjusted for 2022 numbers actually before we get there i actually this time wrote down where this movie ranked the year it came out okay so in 2001 ticket prices were five dollars and 66 cents on average across the united states and it ranked number 14 with its 131 million okay above it at 13 was the fast and the furious with 144.5 million so 13 million more dollars and number 15 here's what's crazy number 15 was the tom hanks starring castaway oh wow with 124 million caveat that just a little bit though it came out on december 22nd no <laughs> so it made that 124 million in only like a week and a half of being out it went on to make 233 million total but most of that then came in 2002 so it doesn't get clocked into 2001 so if you were combining that all together Lara croft would actually be in the 15th place for movies released in 2001 okay that makes a lot more sense <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had to, i had to, it, that's how it's ranked but i knew people were gonna be like well hey yeah. castaway was huge there's no way so now for 2022 ticket prices are nine dollars and or they've been adjusted now there's a new adjusted ticket price average for 2022 oh ten dollars it used Even? to be nine dollars and 17 cents but as like we're getting more into 2023 those numbers are becoming more solidified yeah on how they adjusted so it's now ten dollars meaning the adjusted gross for lara croft was two hundred and twelve million four hundred and seventy two thousand one hundred and ten dollars in twenty twenty two. And here's where it would rank. At number nine, we have Spider Man No Way Home. Even though it came out in twenty twenty one, it still made another two hundred and forty one point one million dollars in twenty twenty two. That's uh -huh. not its total. Yeah. That's just what it made in twenty twenty two. At number nine, Lara Croft would then slide in right there at number ten. It would have made the top ten and it would have pushed sonic the hedgehog 2 down to number 11 with 190.8 million dollars okay i could actually see it still kind of doing that today yeah that's Ma not surprising no not with the name like angelina jolie on it yeah so that kind of worked for me i was like no that's i hate the fact that it would be in the top 10 because there's there's <laughs> many more better movies than this one in 2022 but, but it had the name value the fun the video game tie-in all yep. that it was just interesting that it sat right above another video game movie in sonic the hedgehog 2 yeah so we know about if you're gonna do a video game movie we know where you're gonna land about number 10 <laughs> i was gonna say anywhere from 10 to 15 because i think uh mortal Kombat was in the 15th spot somewhere like yeah, yeah. somewhere around there 14 15 so there you go hollywood if you're listening 
if you make a video game movie, you can be about the 10th highest grossing movie of the year. A couple hundred million dollars. Put it, in your, put it in your pocket. Just make sure you only make the movie for like 30 million, though. Yeah. Don't spend 200 million on it. You're never going to make that back. Let's get into this movie. Yeah. <sighs> All right. You don't say. Angelina Jolie stars as Lara Croft, who everybody knows Angelina Jolie, but she was in like um, Gone in 60 Seconds, Girl Interrupted, Mr. and Mrs. Smith, uh, Changeling, bunch of stuff. Huge, huge star. She was fine. She, she wasn't fine. Who are we kidding? I'm lying. I'm trying to <laughs> say as much nice about this movie as I can. She so, was awful in this movie. Yeah. I think physically, she she matches the role pretty well. She looks like Lara Croft. If you were to get me that little pixelated character as a real-life person, that's who I kind of visualized as it. They even put her in like a square bra. Yeah, I did was, notice it, that. It was so distracting the entire time because she's in tank tops for almost the entire movie. Yeah. And she's like in this weird square bra and I just couldn't get past it. Because I was like, are you trying to make her look like the video game even more? Because I hate it. Yeah. That's one one bit about her that I didn't like. One of the one of the things that I didn't like about her was that weird bra. Because it was very distracting, even for me. But I really enjoy how much attention to detail that gave her physical appearance as this character. Because her outfits were video game accurate. Her looks, the way she did her hair. Like... Everything about her... High ponytail, baby. High ponytail. Or the braid. Or the braid, yeah. Uh, so they did put a lot of effort into making her like the video game. Now, my problem with her is she definitely felt like she took this role almost too seriously in this movie. Because she tried to have almost no character to her. I don't I don't even know how to explain what she was doing in she this She was trying movie. to be like stoic cool and it just didn't work. And the accent. Can we talk about the accent? Yeah. It was so rough and just completely unnecessary. Mm -hmm. Like, if you're gonna make a movie about a British star, a British action hero, find a British actress. Yeah. So, I don't know exactly. I, I think she was trying to play too cool for school and it just didn't work and it made me really not like her. I didn't find anything about her to be all that appealing, all that interesting, and I couldn't see myself in her, which is something that I have been able to do in other versions of Lara Croft, like playing the video games and even the or 2018 just version. action stars in general. Yeah, you, you can like picture yourself in that role, but this one I just couldn't because I was like, oh, you're super good at everything, apparently. You're also really stoic and think you're super cool, but you're not actually doing anything. I don't know. It just rubbed me the wrong way, the way yeah. she performed this character. So she plays Lara Croft, who is trying to get a, a stone tablet that can help her control time based on clues left by her deceased father. Well, missing father. Whatever. Deceased father, <laughs> who is played by John Voight, who is her father in real life. And I thought that was kind of cool. Oh, yeah. He did a fantastic job, too. We get so... Oh, he's great in everything. We get so little of him, but I'm like, oh, I feel endeared to you. Can we yeah. just have your movie? Right? Like, absolutely. I would watch that. 100% I would watch it. <laughs> he's a good actor. He understood the assignment. But again, I just... It didn't... It, I don't really care about her relationship with her father. The only thing I found cool about it was that it was her real father. Yeah. Playing her fake father. I was like, oh, 
what a, that's got to be a cool moment for them. Yeah. To play father and daughter on screen. Like, that's just cool. Yeah. It, props to that. That's always a fun moment. But she is going to go against uh, the bad guys. Or no, with, sorry, before we get there. She's going to do this all with the help of her best friend and tech guy, Bryce. Best friend? Too much? Maybe? They're really close. Yeah, they're like close. And also it just seems like a working relationship. So I'm Yeah, but not... he lives in her house. Well, he yeah. technically lives in a, a trailer outside of her house. But she's like, you can live in the house. So they're definitely not just working friends. They're yeah. like best friends. They know each other. Yeah. Um, his name's Bryce. He is played by Noah Taylor, who you might know as Fibs from Paddington 2. One Ooh. of the criminals oh, yes, that yes, helps yes. Paddington break out. Yeah. And, or as Dr. Carter in Edge of Tomorrow. Mm. Yeah. So he's one of those guys who, like, he pops up in movies and you're always like, damn, he looks familiar. I can't <laughs> place it, but damn, he looks familiar. He's great. I'd love to see him in more stuff. Yeah. I actually loved this character. He might have been, like, one of my favorite parts of the whole movie. He had probably the most personality out of anyone in this entire movie. Yeah. And so whenever he was on screen, I was just drawn to him. I wanted to see what he was doing. I wanted to know what was going on in his world. Like, once again, I wish we got his movie <laughs> instead. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, good times. They're going to find these pieces, and they're going to go up against uh, Manfred Powell, played by, I, I'm going to say his, I'm going to butcher this guy's name, Leon Glenn. Glenn, I can get. It's the Leon <laughs> part i'm not sure if that's it, how you say his Leon? first name l-i-a-n but he oh, is yeah, no, like scottish or something so it's it's going to be pronounced weird and i apologize if i'm because i'm clearly not saying his name right um you might know him as jorah from game of thrones or he played bruce wayne in the titan series the hbo max titan series oh, he played bruce wayne no um, wonder i thought he looked familiar yeah again a, a face that you recognize but you don't know who he is that's yeah. what this like entire movie was just filled with people you recognize but not sure where from <laughs> he was great though he had a lot of presence he was actually really creepy he i love a bad guy that is calm cool and collected and he's more terrifying because of how much control he has rather than terrifying because he's screaming like the dark knight Heath Ledger's Joker isn't scary because he's got makeup on and he's all, he's scary because he's 100% in control and you, he has this calm demeanor to him, even though he's doing evil things. I enjoyed his presence. I thought he could have been a little bit more. I almost took him as somewhat of a joke, sadly. Mm. And that could have been various reasons i don't necessarily think it was his performance i think it was everything around him could it be because this entire movie is a joke very possibly okay because he you know you have his our first real moment with him is him having to bow down basically to the illuminati well yeah because he's a low level illuminati who's trying to get this tablet of time to become the high up in yeah. the illuminati it's that typical bad guy story of i want the power but I got to get through these people to get it. So I think if maybe he was introduced in a different way, it would be better. Like mm. if we got him before that, because that informed the rest of the movie for me on how he was. I don't know. The entire scene where he's explaining to Lara why they have to get the tablet and he's telling her all about the Illuminati. 
Like, I'm tense in that moment because the way he's delivering his lines, his presence in that moment, and, like, he has complete control, and he is charming and hypnotizing Lara in that moment. And I think that's what makes a good bad guy. I, I don't the... want you to be running around with guns just blowing stuff up. I was going to say, I got the charming in, like, that aspect in that scene. I didn't get the, the tenseness Ooh. for some reason. And that could also be how Angelina was playing that role. Well, that yeah, because she's not She's playing across... it almost as aloof. Because she sucks. Yeah. yeah. So I'm not getting it from her that I should be tense. Maybe watch the scene again. Yeah. And just have that in your head of, like, he's calm, cool, and collected, and there's a reason for it. And yeah. the scene might play a little different for you. But he is getting help from Alex West, who is another, like, Tomb Raider, roll credits, um, <laughs> who... We're not sure if he's good or bad, and he is played by Daniel Craig, who you'll know from, obviously, Glass Onion, Knives Out, the entire James Bond series, Quantum of Solace, mm-hmm. Casino Royale, and blah, blah, blah. And he's been in other things as well. He was a stormtrooper in The Force Awakens. Yeah. Which is great. But I... he... What do you think of him? I enjoyed his character. Yeah. I totally got his whole thing. It's like, I'm just here for the money. I don't care what it is. I don't care what they're doing with it. I'm just here for the money. But we did get the whole idea that him and Laura have a past relationship. And I wish they would have explored that more. Correct. Because his character felt very, very secondary, almost third down the line. And it's like, no, this... Oh, he was fourth. Yeah. By far fourth. It was Laura, then Manfred, then Bryce, then Alex. And it's like, I wish we could have explored that relationship more because that seemed a little more interesting. Yeah. So. 100%. I'm going to bring in my first nit of the podcast here. Okay. My first nit. Daniel Craig, don't ever talk like that again. Listen, <laughs> you are only forever and always Benoit Blanc. If you don't sound like Foghorn Leghorn... I do not care what you have to say. Oh my gosh. That's the best part of those movies. I forgot he was in this movie. And when he showed up, I got really excited because I I like Daniel Craig. I think he's a great actor. But then he started talking and in my head, I immediately went, that's not what you sound like. Because I'm picturing him as Benoit Blanc. I almost didn't think this was Daniel Craig because it's number one, a baby face Daniel Craig. He looks so young in this movie. And then I didn't, and I didn't get the accent. So I was like, wait, Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's really... the most recent thing i know you from so it's like i don't recognize you yeah it really threw me off and i just couldn't get out of my own head of him not sounding right yeah so just funny it was directed by simon west who also directed the expendables 2 the mechanic con air one of my favorite films of all time right there so he had like done some some stuff expendables 2 obviously came after this movie but he's had a pretty good career uh, this might have been a big misstep for him, though. Yeah, we always have a few. All right, let's get into this movie. Yeah. Let's break this down. Yeah. I like the opening. So the whole opening scene is Lara Croft. She's in a tomb. <gasps> Surprising. Crazy. And all of a sudden, a giant, like, robot. She's trying to get this little thing shiny that's thing. glowing. Shiny thing. Yeah. You know, like in a video game. It's just a shiny thing. It's the shiny thing. she's going thing. to get it, and a giant robot just busts through the wall, and she fights it. I'm like, yeah, that's totally video game. I was going to say, that seems like an exact sequence that you would have to play in one of these video games. Like, you reach out to get the glowy thing, and all of a sudden the wall crumbles behind you, and it's like, 
Just kidding. Fight this thing first. I loved it. it the opening was, it set me up so well. I was like, yes, I am in. This is a video game thing. Lara Croft's not talking, so I don't have to hear that <laughs> stupid accent. And I enjoyed it quite a bit. My problem with this is, as always, when you go too close up on your action sequences, it makes it very hard to understand what's happening. And they do that quite a bit, especially in this action sequence. Is they well, they're also trying to hide the CGI of a robot. I mean, it makes sense. <laughs> we'll get into that later, but that makes sense as to why they did it. I will just say I got a little confused and a little like dizzy almost watching this fight sequence because they kept going tight, shot, shot, shot. All right, let's edit like six times here and one long shot like from a distance just to be <laughs> like, okay, we're still in a tomb. Okay, now close back up. So they did a lot of that in that first scene which i would have really enjoyed had i gotten to understand a lot more of what was happening i mean you might be the only one i don't think this one was cut to hell i think some of the fights later were cut to hell this one wasn't too bad uh one thing that really pissed me off in this scene though Hmm. the robot is like trying to cut her up with his razor blade hands his like (laughs) saw hands yeah and she's like holding it off and i'm like are you're stronger than a giant metal machine are you are you serious right now which is also why the casting of Angelina Jolie kind of doesn't work because she's rail thin. Yeah, her her arms have no muscle to them. So I'm like, I don't believe any of the things that you are trying to do here because you physically would not be able to do those things. But then not only does she hold off the robot, after she beats the robot and shoots it to hell cuz that makes sense. She literally just drags it one hand out of we find out it's just a training mo- yeah. training system simulation and she just grabs the robot by its foot and just drags it out of the room one hand like well, it's nothing but you if you watch that scene again because i actually did watch it again it's on rollers so she must have put it on like a wheel wheelie thing where the hell did she get a- stupid yeah because you can so definitely much. tell that it's on wheels when she's dragging it yeah and this is when we get introduced to bryce which we already talked about we love him yes we need more of him put him in more movies <laughs> and then the story still doesn't get started. We still have no idea what's happening. No. Nah. And I get it. It's only the opening. We keep going and we get more scenes with her and what she does. She lives in a big mansion. She misses her father. Father's gone. But like you said, he's missing. We don't know if he's dead or not. He's just yeah. missing. And we- then like maybe 20 minutes into the movie, she hears a clock ticking in her hole in her wall right before this i have a knit Ooh, okay because she's looking we're getting introduced to the whole idea that this planetary alignment is about to happen Ooh, right it comes every five thousand years and so she's looking out a telescope that she just happens to have in her house and, and this, not like wait wait hold on not like a telescope like i have a telescope this is like you this go to like a planetarium yes huge telescope and my knit is when you see the outside of the building, there is no dome. There's nowhere for that. Well, is she thing in a dome or is she only there looking is a dome. out like a window? No, it's a dome because you can see it when she goes to actually look out it. Yeah, yeah, it's a full full dome for that. Oh, so it's my like God. you. I struggle with this a lot in movies when it's like you make this a place that we're in, and then you show the outside of it, and it makes absolutely no sense. Yep. We have this issue with, like, secret buildings behind things where you go through, like, you know so a laundromat and then you go into, like, a warehouse behind finally it. Finally caught up on, if you guys haven't seen this, maybe check it out. It was kind of a good time. It's on Netflix. It's called Day Shift. 
mm-hmm. with Jamie Foxx and Dave Franco. We kind of finally caught up on that. It's like a two-year-old movie. And at one point, he walks into a laundromat. Yep. And there's a secret door, and he goes through it. It's this giant, huge Warehouse. office building yeah. where there's desks and people working. And it's like multiple layers. Like, there's stairs. There's everything. And I remember asking you, I was like, how does that make sense in movies? Like, nobody sees this giant building that has zero doors other than, like, it's attached to a laundromat. And nobody's questioning it. Nobody's like, yo, what's up with this giant building back there? It makes more sense when you have to, like, go down to a basement level. Right, I can build something still. underground. But a giant, huge... Yeah. Yeah, I hate so it. So that, that's always a nit for me. So I got really annoyed that he she has this giant telescope, but then you can't see it from the outside. Fair. So, yeah, planets are aligning, and that's the only time she can go get this this tablet of time thing. That she doesn't even know about yet. She doesn't even know about. But one night, she's having a nightmare about her father, apparently. I don't know. Weird. (laughs) Another nit of mine. Oh, my God. Go. I I have quite a few. Uh, Getting useful information out of dreams. Because she dreams of exactly what she needs to know. And then she... Yeah, yeah, it's stupid. (laughs) And then she wakes up to hearing a clock ticking, which is in her walls. But it was set to only start clicking right at that exact time. Mm -hmm. So she just breaks her wall... Underneath the the stairs, yeah. Underneath the stairs. Takes out the clock and has no idea what it is. It's just a clock. They look at it. They realize there's a tablet in there. There's some kind of, like, dial thing in there. Yeah. So she just breaks the clock open. (laughs) Another nit of mine. Yeah, no. Uh, Laura would be terrible about preserving relics. Yeah, for for somebody who's, like, a tomb raider, quote-unquote, who's supposed to, like, preserve these things, go get them, give them to museums, she just willy-nilly breaks this clock. Yeah, she knows that what she needs is on the inside, but you don't know if, like, something on the inside of that panel, like, told you where to go or what to do with this thing. But no, she just breaks it. Yeah, and during that time, we get Manfred is being yelled at by the Illuminati that he needs to get the tablet of time. Yeah. Because reasons. They they, they want it for something. And they're like, the only time you can ever get it is during the planetary alignment. And if you don't get it now, 5,000 years will have to wait. Who set these rules? The people who had access to the time. 5,000 years ago, somebody was like, yo, let's only make this thing available every 5,000 years. Yeah. I hate when movies do that. I hate it so much. So this is actually a major issue I had with me in the movie. And this is the whole thing of not understanding what they tried to set forward. If you were this ancient civilization that had this time thing and realized it was too much power, why not just fully destroy it? Why make it available at all? Yeah. And in the same time, for Laura, why get access to it at all? Because her entire goal, according to her dream dad, is to destroy it. She has to destroy it. She has to get the pieces and destroy it before it can fall into the wrong hands. Yeah. Why does it exist? (laughs) <laughs> they do that crap in movies all the time and it annoys me yeah. so much uh so they're both Lara croft and manfred are on the same path and they find out that the first piece is in cambodia mm-hmm. and this this part this scene pisses me off so much right oh wait before we go to Cambodia. Yeah, I was so going to say, you're missing up. something that you absolutely hate. Yeah, I know, because I hate it. I wanted to skip it. So the night before we find out about Cambodia, she's looking at this dial that she took out of this clock and trying to get information off of it. She's got it in like a, a secure area. And Bryce says, good night. He's going to go to bed. And 
she says goodnight, and we zoom out to show her attached to two bungee cords in her mansion, in the damn living room of her damn mansion. She's attached to bungee cords. She jumps off the railing, and like the Mission Impossible thing where he falls and he's like an inch off the ground only, she does that on purpose. And then it's just like, wee, Cirque du Soleil inside her freaking living room. You realize how much I would love to do that? I don't care if you'd love to do it. It's stupid. It makes zero sense. The only reason <laughs> they put it here is because after we get her little three minutes of, ooh, bouncy, 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 she lands on a chandelier right at the same time that bad guys come busting through her roof to steal the little thing that she has. Yeah. The little dial clock thing that Key she has. thing, yeah. And, and then so we get like, a whole action scene. And then sequence. you get a whole action scene. This, this action scene... Not bad. Not bad. Not great either. Cause it, it, the whole thing is based on her being able to like swing around on her thing. And it's just. Eh. It'd this, be really cool if it was a better setup of how we got to it. That could be. It does lead me to a question though. Okay. Would you rather fight these invaders or stormtroopers? Because they have about the same level of accuracy. I don't think I have to fight any of them because it's not like they're ever going to hit me. Yeah. <laughs> I could just slowly walk away and nothing would change. Yeah. Because they, there's no reason they didn't take Laura out. No, at that they time. come in with like AR 15s and they're just like, and she's like, bouncy, 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 you missed. I'm going to run along the wall at the same exact one speed. The, oh my God. Okay. One of the things that really, really bothers me about this scene. Mm hmm is one, at one moment she like punches a dude a couple times and he's all like, oh, I'm loopy. And there's one guy hanging by the chandelier, still shooting at her. She clips one of her bungees to this guy she just beat up, pushes him off the railing, and somehow he perfectly flies into the other guy and they smash into the railing on the other side of the living room. Well, didn't you know that she's just a Mary Sue? She is has she... Captain Level, Captain Level, Captain America levels of throwing things accurately. I mean, also Batman levels, apparently. Yeah, but they all trained for years. And Batman, like, designs. He's he's not throwing bodies on bungees. <laughs> he's throwing batarangs, which he's designed specifically to throw well. Or safes. Throw safes? What? <laughs> if, you, if you guys didn't listen to our Batman Forever oh. episode, he somehow magically calculates the exact distance that uh, the safe needs to do to go back into where it was well yeah but see i believe it when he does it you want to know why because he's batman because he's batman <laughs> jesus okay yeah let's move on so we it's a fine action scene the best part of this whole action scene is when her butler who we didn't talk about because he doesn't play a big role this is like the last thing he does yeah he, he just knows like <laughs> the alarm goes off first thing he does puts a bulletproof vest on grabs a shotgun walks out and he's like i'm ready yeah puts on his little slippers yeah it's awesome. Love that part. I really wish that would have paid off a little bit more because he Same. shoots like once and then he's well, he, gone for the rest of the time. He shoots a couple times and I think it was more like as a distraction. He wasn't really trying to hit anybody. I yeah. don't know. I, I uh, who don't know. knows? But then he just disappears basically for the rest of the movie. Yeah. Because then it's like she has to go to Cambodia and here's the, here's a scene that pisses me off as well. They're like, hey, you have to get to Cambodia in the next 16 hours to find this temple to insert this key to get the first piece of the tablet of time. And she's like, okay, yeah, I'll have to call in a favor. And her butler's like, what f who are you calling? What favor? 
Next scene, she's in her Jeep being helicoptered into Cambodia, gets parachuted, then they drop her. She parachutes down in her Jeep yeah, to the ground and is like, I'm here. Yeah. What? I understand they show us a picture of her like with a military group. Like clearly she was in the military at some point, but like what favor did you call in? Who'd you call? Because you ain't calling like Sergeant Joe being like, yo, <laughs> helicopter me. That's like high up. You just want to skip that? You don't want to tell me how she got to Cambodia? No, it's not important. Oh no, it's important. It's totally not important. Well, it's important is her driving through the jungle and yeah, just magically always important. finding a road. It's not important at all. <laughs> then we, she finds this old temple. She realizes Alex and Manfred are already there and they're going through the front door of the temple, which makes zero sense because she sneaks in a back door, but only after she is guided by a ghost girl. And CGI butterflies. Yeah, well, that's fine. I don't care about the butterflies. Butterflies are cool. I'll take them in every movie. Yeah, but CGI ones. Well, yeah, they're hard to control. You can't just have real <laughs> butterflies everywhere. But, like, what's with the little ghost girl? And this isn't the first time we see her. Or this isn't the last time we see her. So this is one thing that, and we get it more, like, more into this later, that always confused me was magic is just real in this universe, apparently. Yeah. Because we get it multiple times that just things happen and it's like, that's just magic so for this movie to seemingly be based on like real life to then have those just extreme instances of something that's not in real life was very confusing for me yep i got very like whiplash almost being like oh everything's real everything's real realistic oh ghost girl oh okay that's a thing that's happening now yep so one thing I had to take note of when she does this whole Cambodia thing is when she gets to this temple and she's going to break in with the help of this stupid little ghost girl, it is like 45 minutes into an hour and 40 minute movie and we still have no clue what the plot is. <laughs> like why she needs this tablet of time. We have no idea what Manfred's going to do when he gets the tablet of time. Like nothing has been explained. Things are just happening. Yeah. They expect you to just go along with the ride, and it's like, what's the story here? We're almost halfway through this movie, and we don't have a story yet. We're also ha almost halfway through this movie, and we're just now tomb raiding. Yeah. Ridiculous. And by tomb raiding, I mean temple raiding. <laughs> so she gets into the... Yeah, she's not even tombs, they're just temples. She gets into the temple, and everybody is all set up, and they're like, Hey, you have to insert this key, which they have successfully stolen during mm -hmm. that night action scene. At the exact moment, these planet, these two planets align. Of the nine planets, two are going to align. And you have to do it exactly at that moment. Insert the key. Yeah. So they're all waiting around. They're all waiting around. It's Manfred and Alex waiting around. And Lara's like doing weird stuff in the background in the same temple. But nobody knows she's there yet. Until she finds a keyhole that a, will fit a this dial. One. A different one than the one they're standing at. And she then just screams to him. And she's like, hey, that's not the right one. The real one's over here. Yeah. And he's like, I don't believe you. And she's like, well, then you're going to fail. And we'll wait 5,000 years for the next one. And he's like, Manfred's like, okay, whatever. And throws her the, the key. Yeah. Problem is, the entire time, Alex has been counting down. 50, 49, 48. Mm -hmm. When she catches the key, she turns around and she immediately shoves it in the lock. Yeah. Alex still has like four seconds to go. 
I thought it had to be exact. Like, they stressed it, like, nine times. Yeah. Exactly when it hits zero. And she's like, nah, that five seconds left, I got this. And it works. Yeah. So. Oh, annoyed me. But at this point, I'm like, you realize that they're not going to get this thing. They're at the wrong door. Why do you even try and get it? Because then you are just risking them getting the entire well, thing. Well, because she wants it. Because then she can see her, her dad again. I guess. It's just like, She'll oh. destroy it after she uses it. Ah, so she's selfish. Facts. <laughs> so she does it. And then we get a cool moment. I got to tell you, this is a cool moment. So she turns the key and a giant pendulum swings down. And it's supposed to hit this like... Cauldron. Cauldron of goo yeah. to break it open. And that's going to set off the sequence so they can get this timepiece. Yeah. But it falls just short. It didn't swing enough. And it does it like three times. And it's just ever so close. And it starts slowing down. And everybody's like, damn, we're going to miss our chance. And Laura jumps onto it and like treats it like a swing. Yeah. She like rocks it so that it can get there. And like, that's smart. That's a clever move. I need these characters to do more clever things like this. And it's, it is also very video game-esque, but it leads me to a nit. Ooh, okay. If you need something to look cool, just slow-mo it. Because they do that for this. Because what she's doing, the way they shot it, is not very cool. No. It just looks really boring. It looks super like, yeah. But then they slow-mo it, and it's like, this is how we're going to make it look cool. Slow-mo. And it's just like... It, uh. So one thing, I have a nit about that part too that yeah. goes along with yours. So when they go to slow-mo it, we hear Lara screaming, like, ah, like trying to do it. Yeah. But her mouth isn't moving. Her <laughs> mouth is like open as if she, like, she's taking a bite of food. It, yeah. There's no way she's actually screaming in that moment. It just makes zero logical sense. <laughs> I don't know who did it, but it was dumb to add in an ADR scream. Yeah. But so they break it open. They get the first timepiece. Lara snatches it from them mm -hmm. and takes off. We get a whole fight sequence here. I don't care. It's terrible. It's awful CGI because a little, what, like stone dog creature comes to life? Multiple of them, yeah. They all start fighting. And then the, the giant four-armed creature that was holding the cauldron also comes to life to fight them. Yeah. And, and she fends it off with two guns. Shooty, shooty, shooty. I mean, that's very also very video game-esque. <laughs> yeah, which makes zero sense all the time. Um, it's awful CGI. It, it looks so bad. I, at this point, had to mention that this CGI, especially like the liquid CGI, because it does have to do some like liquid stuff to actually let the thing Yeah, appear, liquid time. That is on the level of Reptile. Oh my god, it's so Kombat. bad. So last week in the Mortal Kombat episode, if you guys didn't listen to it, one, go listen to it. It's a good episode. Two, we talk about the CGI and how it kind of is still really good. And then you're going to be like, wait, this CGI looks better than that. Why did you say that one holds up, but this one doesn't? The CGI. You want to know why? Mortal Kombat had a $20 million budget. This movie had a $100 million budget. You should do better. And it was six years later when technology improved. Why does it look like crap? And... The fact that they did more CGI. So more fun. things were done with CGI instead of practical, which always is a hard time. Mm -hmm. Because it's always going to age your product. You know what they, you know they should have done? Hmm. They should have done Power Ranger stuff. Where it was like, yeah, they come out as like stone men. Yeah. But then they change into like real people. And she has to fight real people. Yeah. 
I, I could see that's that. That's cool. I, I, I would take that. Yeah. Why Why would it be a giant stone creature? Why wouldn't it be somebody who can actually, like, grab this tablet without shattering it in their massive hands? Yeah. Yeah, it's a terrible sequence. I hate every moment of it. But she steals the piece. She gets away. And she's like, ha, 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 ha. But they still have... They got the key for the next thing. Mm-hmm. So she's like, crap. I got to deal with them. So this is the scene I was talking about earlier. Manfred and Lara meet up and he tells her all what the plan is. Yeah. And he's like, we need to work together. And she's like, we'll see about that. And then we get to see Daniel Craig showering. Mm-hmm. Which is a callback to Angelina Jolie earlier in the movie. We see her showering. And it's shot exactly the same way with the same kind of orange glow lighting behind him and everything. So it's nice in that aspect of like, you're not just sexifying the female. Yeah. You then turn around and sexify the male as well. And I was like, oh, good job. Yep. I actually appreciate that quite a bit. It's not often you sexify both genders in a movie. In a movie. It's either one or the other. So yeah. it was awesome. One, one A knit of mine though, close mm-hmm. your damn mouths. <laughs> when they're showering, they're like, okay, first of all, they're the only ones in the shower. And if you've ever seen a movie where they have sh- shower sex, they always like open their mouths up into the water and they're like, oh, oh, oh. Okay, that's what they're doing. But they're the <laughs> only ones in the shower. Is the shower that good? Oh, like, yeah. Y'all ain't showered in what, like six months and you're finally getting in. You're like, damn, this is orgasmic. You look stupid. Close your damn mouth. It annoyed <laughs> the hell out of me the whole time. But we do get sexy Daniel Craig stepping out of the shower and that man's workout routine. Woo. Yep. That man is chiseled out of stone. She, you want to talk about stone creatures coming to life? That's Daniel Craig in this moment. All right. <laughs> I was going to say, no wonder those uh, mirrors were all steamy. Yeah. But it's also a cool moment here because he hears a noise. That's why he gets out of the shower. And his instinct is, it's Lara Croft. Yeah. She broke in. And so he's looking around the house and there's nothing and there's nothing. And then he hears a knocking. So he goes to the door and it's the cleaning lady <laughs> who has towels for him and just sees him naked and throws towels and screams. And it's a cute, fun little moment, right? Yeah. First of all. Little subversion there. Little subversion, but also who's screaming seeing naked Daniel Craig in that way? I mean, I'm screaming seeing da- naked Daniel Craig, but it ain't in that. It ain't like that. I mean, if you're spooked by it. Yeah. Maybe. Maybe. But she doesn't even like, she doesn't even give him like a second look. She, like, screams and runs away, and I'm like, no, any female is probably looking twice. Right? I mean, it's like getting an unsolicited dick pic. You know, you're just like, no. Yeah, no. but you, you look twice. <laughs> when it's Daniel Craig, you look twice. <laughs> right? So it, he goes, and he's like, oh, okay, clearly there's nothing here. It was just a knock at the door. That's the noise I heard. Yeah. So he goes back to his shower, but while he's gone, somebody wrote the word traitor on his steamy shower. And he turns around, and Lara Croft's just sitting at the table... Just like, yeah, what's up? Great. I thought this scene worked really well. Yeah. This is the scene in which I wanted to get more more time with the two of them. Oh, because here's where they hint really hard about their past. Yes. And it's just like, this is the movie you should have made. Mm-hmm. So they have a little chat. He says, I'm doing it for the money. And she's like, I need to not do it for that. We got to get blah, blah, blah. Then she ends up just joining them. She tells Bryce, she calls him, and she's like, hey, get ready, pack, we're going to Antarctica, because that's where the next piece is, the final piece, the second piece. Yeah. And she's with Manfred and Alex. Actually, it's in Siberia. Is it Siberia? Whatever. Siberia. Wherever yeah. they're going. Some cold place. <laughs> it's a tundra. It's a tundra. 
So she tells Bryce. Bryce comes with. I'm not exactly sure why Bryce needs to come with. I'm not mad at it. You can always use more Bryce. Two Tomb Raiders are better than one. Yeah, apparently. that's Alex and Lara. That's not Bryce. Bryce is a tech guy. Oh, yeah. So I'm not sure why he has to come with, but he comes with. Fine. I'll yeah. take more of him. They get on a plane, but now she's with a bunch of Illuminati people, plus Manfred, plus Alex, plus of unknown soldiers, un- just cannon fodder. Yeah. And they get they get there, and they go into this temple again, because it's still not a tomb. <laughs> To get this second piece. Mind you, this is in a dead zone, so they had to get sled dogs to take them there. Yeah. And they're all, like, dressed up in these warm clothes, except for Laura, who's in, like, the, like, thinnest long trench coat oh, yeah, she's... thing to, like, match her outfit. Dude, she fights giant, she picks up giant robots. And she don't, she don't need clothing. She don't need warm clothing. <laughs> but as they're going to this, this temple, we get another ghost girl. Yeah. Who is like, hey... I know you're going to get this timepiece so you can see him again, but don't. And yeah. Lara's like, see who? And the ghost girl's like, your father. And Lara's like, oh my God, how did you know? And then she just disappears. And then she looks away for some reason because nothing happens. She just looks away. She looks back. The little girl's gone. And she's like, what ever shall I do? Don't go. Yeah. A little ghost girl just literally told you don't do it. Don't do it. I was going to say, if you're not being selfish, all you have to do is break apart the one half you have and then no one can ever use it. I'm sorry. If I'm walking into a, walking anywhere and this little ghost girl comes up and can read my mind and telling me not to do something, yeah, I'm out. Yeah. Peace. Yeah, that, that ghost probably knows something I don't know. Yep. Mm, yep. Don't need it. So we get to the temple and this piece is not protected by stone creatures it's protected by a giant spinning solar system thing? What is that called? Um, I'm drawing a blank on what it's called. Mobile. Yeah. A mobile. Mobile? Mobile. Yeah. Star system mobile thing, blah, blah, blah. And it's spinning. So yeah. this got, you know, had a question for me of who's been doing the upkeep on this area? Mm. Because clearly this was 5,000 years ago that this thing was being split apart and a meteor basically struck and destroyed this yeah. place, right? Who's been making a mechanism there? Or was that part of the time thing? Like, they went ahead and got this mechanism and put it there? Like, I... This confused the heck out of me. So, this is something that pisses me off about these kind of movies in general. Whether it be Indiana Jones, uh, National Treasure, this movie... What is with this elaborate crap? Hey, this civilization <laughs> 5,000 years ago apparently had better tech than we have today. Yeah. And can build these things that last thousand. Listen, the, the, the building I live in was built in 1970 and it's falling apart. Yeah. And it's been upkept. It's only 60 years old. It's 50 years old. It's been, it's been taken care of somewhat. <laughs> and it's falling apart. It's been sitting for 5,000 years and it just, okay. At least the first temple that you went to, it was just magic that for some reason set apart the booby trap after you got the talisman, but you know, whatever. Trust me, those ropes aren't lasting 5,000 years that held that pendulum. Yeah, no. No, those ropes are broken. You put that key in, that pendulum falls straight to the ground. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so it just, every single movie like so this. That that bit just, it took me out of the whole, whole movie. It like came to a screeching halt in my mind of being like, why... Is there a metal contraption here? Yeah. 
But it's a spinning metal contraption, and the, the piece that they're looking for is inside of it, apparently. Inside the sun at the center of it. Obviously. That makes that makes sense. Right? That makes sense. Yeah. I mean, if you're going to go find a key, it's going to be at the center of the universe, or of the solar system, at least. Sure. Which is the sun. Sure. But they, this is where just the cannon fodder guys just start getting just, just massively killed. Oh my gosh! There's one guy all stupid as hell. who gets stuck in between two of the planets that are rotating, two just crushes him. Yeah. And I'm like, who? Oh, oh god, I wasn't ready for that. Like That's... there hasn't been that kind of violence in this movie yet, and yeah, then you just you just let it happen right there. Okay. And then like, so he gets completely crushed, but then like some of the others just get hit in the face and they fall into the water below them yeah so it's like oh clearly they're fine why did we have to kill that one guy yeah like so brutally okay but alex and lara are climbing towards the center and she's like hey i figured it out toss me the key so she alex tosses her the key she grabs it she puts it in the sun and she gets teleported into the sun yeah it's magic but then immediately shot out but now she has the power of time kind of kind of because he, the guy, bad guy gets both halves. He tries to use it. It doesn't work. And she figured out that it's a bit inside of the key thing that they had had. That, that she, makes it final. Yes. So when she finally uses it. Convoluted hunk of junk. Yes. She finally gets that piece. She uses it. And she goes back to see her dad. Yeah. And we get a cool little moment. But here's my nitpick with all this stuff. Yeah. Every time there's a flashback, what is with the color grading on these scenes? <laughs> Every time in flashbacks in these types of movies, it's always like, hey, you want it to be really cool? Throw sepia a sepia tone. tone. Yeah. Stop doing that. You it, not, when I have one... flashbacks, they're in color. <laughs> Which is interesting because this isn't even like a flashback. She went backwards in time because he's interacting with her. Yeah, she flashed back in time. Got it. <laughs> We're going to call it a flashback because it's stupid as hell. That's fair. So she has a little moment. She goes back. Manfred goes, ooh, you have the power of time. I think. Let's test it. And he throws a knife, and he kills Alex. Yeah. And he gets sucked into being crushed underneath the thing, too. Yeah, he's like, half his body's in there. And Lara's like, I'll just breathe life into you. I'll, I'll... Be... Half of him is crushed. You getting him oxygen ain't gonna help. And he's stuck under the water. Yeah. He's done for. Turn back time. Yeah. So, she does. She's like, ah, oh, crap. All right, well, I guess I got to save him. So she turns back time. So Alex goes, or Manfred goes to throw the knife at Alex again. She stops time so that she can save Alex. And here's a nit of mine. The <laughs> knife is flying through the air, and she grabs it and turns it so it's actually facing Manfred, who threw it. Yeah. So when she unfreezes time, it'll fly at him instead. Mm-hmm. You have stopped all momentum on this knife by turning it. It ain't going anywhere when you unfreeze time, number one. Number two, to turn the knife, clearly it's a struggle. She's showing you. Uh, she can't do it. She's grabbing it. She's turning it. So she grips the blade to get more support. Yeah. Why did you grip the blade? Do you know how easy it could have been if your hand was on the handle and you used your palm to push against the side of the blade, mm-hmm. you still could have gotten the same exact outcome without damaging your hand well they had to injure her a little bit so that when we get the fisticuffs later it's more of a even struggle yep because then she unfreezes time the knife flies at manfred defying all physics but i guess magic yep and she saves alex and manfred's on the ground and the minute manfred gets stabbed with his own knife 
every single unknown soldier guy that he brought with immediately just lowers their guns and like walks away. Yeah. He's not even dead yet. Yeah. But they just are like, all right, well, whatever. I think it's around this time too that she destroys the time thing. I think that, right I think yeah. is that when they start leaving or is it just as no, no, soon no, as it's he immediate. Stabs? He literally gets, I, I had to go back and rewind it because I was like, did that just happen? <laughs> he gets stabbed and they all had their guns up yeah. pointed at her. Yeah. He gets stabbed and they all just lower their guns and look at each other like, now what do we do? You shoot her. <laughs> That's yeah. what you do. Ah, uh, well, okay. Goodbye. He got stabbed. It's over. But so, he gets stabbed in the shoulder. So it's like, yeah, you didn't even aim it right. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's terrible, terrible moment. <laughs> but then she destroys the time thing and he's like. Oh, God, how'd you, how dare you? And he talks, and he tells her, I killed your father. Yeah. Now, Alex and all the guards have left. Mm-hmm. They're like, yeah, peace out. And he's like, oh, I'm dying. Come closer. And she comes closer, and he pulls out the knife. He's like, no, just kidding. I'm not dying. But I did kill your dad. And I have his stop, his stopwatch, his, his pocket watch to prove it. Yeah. And With her picture in it. And she's like, I'm going to F you up. So she's like, yeah. And so he, st- he he stands up and pulls a gun on her. And she pulls both of her guns on him. And then he goes, no guns. No guns. And it just breaks into a little short fisticuffs. I hated this fight. Same. Not only because it's dumb, because it is. But the way they shot it, it was tight close-ups, edited to hell, and had a strobe light. So it was just, it made me sick to watch this fight, and I had no idea what was happening. Yep. So halfway through, I'm just like, okay, I'm done. I'm just, I'm going to ignore it until Laura wins, because she's going to win. Yeah. It was, it was awful. Literally, you're walking over to this man who's like, hey, I killed you. Pull your gun out, put a cap in his ass, yeah, and just end it. Be done with it. What are you doing? But I get it. It's like, you have that anger. You want to be just, oh, I'm going to take all of that out on him. But, eh. Eh. It's, it's so dumb. Yeah. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. She oh. fights him. She beats him. We get one of my laughable parts of a total video game moment, but she, her she's sled, yeah, her sled got destroyed because the whole place is coming down because, you know, she broke the time thing and she has to like just be pulled by six sled dogs on her feet through an icy thing. And I'm just like, no, I'm like, wait a minute. I feel like I've seen this before in the video game, which is good. That's what you should do. It is, but in a semi-realistic movie, I was just like, oh, oh God, okay. And that's why, okay, so a lot of people always complain that, like, video game movies aren't the video game. And it's like, because some stuff just doesn't translate. You sledding with six dogs on your feet, getting pulled through tight caves, is unrealistic. Yeah. She's going to be slammed into, like, four walls because she has no control. Have you ever seen a sled dog team pull sleds around corners? That sled whips. Oh, yeah. It goes side to side. Now, imagine if you have zero control because you're on your freaking shoes. She's dead. It's like, release five of the dogs and let one dog pull you. Yeah. Or two. Or... Yeah. Yeah. It's So, it's very video game-esque, but, yeah, no, unrealistic. It just... By all means. And that's it. That's the end of the movie. And we get a really eye roll moment of freeze frame ending hate it Ugh. it was ugh. so all right here's a question slash a nit that i had okay the ghost girls mm-hmm. the one at the first temple the one as soon as they land in siberia 
who, what, why, when, how, all the questions, because it's dumb as hell. That they don't a, matter. That is an unanswerable question, because there there is literally no point and no explanation that anyone can give you that actually makes sense. But like, who, did her dad send those girls to try to warn her? Did the tablet of time go, hey, the, these girls from the past need to... What the hell was the damn point of them? Yeah. I get the first one, which like showing her the secret passage back entrance. Mm-hmm. But why? Literally no clue. Yeah, hated it. No clue. So it was a nit and a question. Um, Her dad gives her so little time to actually figure out any of these riddles. Like she asks him at the end, you know, why didn't you write about any of this in your readings? Like anywhere? You didn't have to tell me about it, but why didn't you write about it? Because he literally leaves clues for her, but they happen less than like 24 hours before she needs to be halfway around the world to be able to get this time piece. So it's like, if you wanted her to actually get to this thing, you probably shouldn't have sent a letter the day before it was supposed to happen. Like, damn, dad, you couldn't have told me in June that I was going to have to do something in January of the next year. Like, give me time to prepare. Give me time to like figure out your riddles and find the book. Like, hopefully I still have that book. Yeah. So dumb. It's so weird. Questions? I do have a few. Okay, go. Uh, did this only this did this movie only get made to show off how hot Angelina was? No, <laughs> she's not hot in this movie. Yeah, but all. a lot but a lot of people thought she was. So they're all wrong. <laughs> Next, um, is it bad that I wanted to punch Laura right in her face so she to get that smirk off her face? No. Okay. You should. <laughs> Those were my only two questions I hadn't gotten to. Here's my questions. Yeah. Is this better than the 2018 version starring no. Alicia Vikander? No. Cool. Would you rather have seen this as a TV show? No. You don't want to, you don't, maybe not this exact one, but how about a Lara Croft Tomb Raider TV show? I can see that. Miniseries? Miniseries. Yeah. Would you want to see Angelina Jolie come back and play an older Lara Croft in a TV show? No. Damn, all right. I, do, I don't think she did well enough with this character. I don't want to see her back. Okay. Not even as an old one who's training like the next Laura? Or maybe she's not even Laura Croft anymore. Maybe she's just in it? No. Okay. You don't want to see her interact with Alicia Vikander's Laura Croft? No. Okay. I, I don't want her in this property at all. I don't want her in movies, but, you know, we can't all get what we want. <laughs> uh, what piece of memorabilia do you want from this movie? Mm, her, the the, like hip hugger uh holsters for her guns Ooh, yeah you want the guns too or just the holsters i want i want that holster get up so yeah the guns too okay that's cool what about you the key the clock key okay it's pretty cool so you can flip it up and look at where (laughs) where the spoon is or whatever so one thing that i really loved about this movie was all the set designs and the prop designs yeah not the cgi that was all god awful (laughs) But the actual physical places they went were all real rooms and stuff. They weren't like green screen. Not most of it anyway. Looked really cool. All the props that they had, really cool. Even uh, Manfred's knife is like really cool Mm -hmm. that he has because it's got like the finger loop on it so that he can hold it better and he can like spin it and do cool stuff. Awesome. Like a lot of stuff in this movie, really cool to look at. Yeah. The physical stuff. And that key, so cool. Would love to have that. It's very intricate. only if it actually glows. Ah. Last question I have. Okay. This is a very, very, very simple question. Mm Mm-hmm. Why? Why does this movie exist? 
they thought it would be a good idea. I mean, it made money, so... You can't, but not can't, enough. Re- you can't so, blame them for trying. So the way... Going back to box office real quick, because it sounds like, oh, $94 million budget, but it made $130 million. Of course it made money. No, guys. So let me explain how the box office works really quickly for anybody still listening to us. When you have a $94 million budget, you need to make like two and a half times that to be profitable for the most part. Because when you look at domestic, they're not getting the whole $130 million. They're splitting it with all of the theaters showing. And it's usually like a, a, if you get the Disney deal, it's like a 60-40 split. The studio gets 60, the theaters and everybody else, distribution, all that, they get the 40%. Mm -hmm. So you're only taking 60% of that in. So you're really only getting about 78 million out of that 130. Then when you're looking at worldwide, that's a lot harder because I don't know what the rate is. But even if it's like a 50-50 rate, it made 142. So you're going to get 70, right? So you were at like 68, 70, you're going to get another 70. So it made 140. So it really only took in like, what, $45 million profit? Yeah. That's not including marketing budget Mm -hmm. or anything. I'm sure this movie did really well in home release, and that's probably where they got a lot of their money from. But just know, guys, moving forward, whenever you see whatever the budget is, just multiply that two and a half times. That's how much money it should make worldwide to be profitable. And that's Mm -hmm. like bare minimum profitable. Yeah. For big movies like this. If you're looking at smaller budget movies, like a $10 million movie and it made 25, they're probably, well, that's two and a half. But if it's a $10 million movie, <laughs> they made like 18, they're probably good because they didn't have a huge marketing budget. Yeah. So this movie was marketed everywhere at the time. I wouldn't be yeah. surprised if they spent another $50 million in marketing. I could see that. So this movie probably wasn't profitable or was very barely profitable. Yeah. All right. Moving on to hot takes. Yeah. What do you got? I would have rather gotten an origin story. There was a lot of interesting things that they brought up to this movie that were like, oh, that would have made a better story. Oh, that would have made a better story. Oh, that would have been more interesting to watch. Right. Like, I would love to see an adventure with her and Alex, not as enemies, like them going doing something together. Yeah. Like, how did you get to where you are today? Because without getting that, I feel like you're just a Mary Sue. I have no interest in you because I didn't get to see you struggle at all. You're just automatically good at everything. Yeah. So what's, why should I care? Okay. I like it. Yeah. Same. Um, my hot take is I, this movie would have been a lot better if everybody was Bryce and I don't mean the actual character, (laughs) but I mean his level of cheesy, campy goodness. The problem I have with this movie, the biggest problem I have with this movie is the amount of people who try to take it so serious. And it's like, there's one person in this movie that should be serious. And that's Manfred. Yeah. The bad guy. Everybody else should be champy, campy, cheesy. We got no one-liners, no quips. Mm-hmm. No, if they would have went full in on that, it's a much more enjoyable film. Okay, I could see it. So, it'd be a lot better if they just went full camp. Nice. Award sections. Yeah. Here we go. First up, we got our psycho shower scene. Your favorite scene in the entire movie. Yeah. I'll go first. Okay. Daniel Craig's shower scene. <laughs> it's one of my favorite it's, it's my favorite scene in the yep. whole movie it's one of my favorite things in, in all three of the Lara Croft movies I've seen all three of them none of them are good <laughs> but I think it's that's what I think the whole movie needed to be was that fun level of like I broke in and you didn't even know surprise I think we needed more of that and we just didn't get it 
It's fair. What do you got? I got Laura bouncing from the ceiling because it is that level of ridiculousness that I wanted from this movie. Like it, that is the peak of the ridiculousness of this movie. But I also really wanted to do that. (laughs) Yeah. So mostly you just wanted to do it. Yeah. Yeah. Next up, we have the life uh, finds a way award for your favorite line in the movie. First though, I have a dishonorable mention okay. for this award. Dishonorable. All right. Somebody asks Lara a question. I think it's about going to Cambodia. What's the favor? And she says, If I told you, I'd have to kill you. <laughs> Can we put that line to bed? Can we lay it to rest? I never want to hear that line in a movie again. It is so overdone and cliche and makes zero sense. You want to know why? Because you're not actually going to kill him. I think it was made as just joke, and that's how it's normally used now. And so I, oh, I've I seen never it in a ton of movies it. where it's serious. Oh well, now it's just a joke. So oh no, the line is a joke, and when movies like this try to play it off more serious, it's a terrible line that makes zero sense in yeah. any manner. We need to put it to bed and never write it into another script again. Fair. All right, I'll go first with my actual award, and it goes to Bryce. Go figure. Love him. Best character in the whole movie. When they're flying to Siberia, they're on this big plane. Clearly, it's taken a long time to get there. And everything's serious. And then Bryce comes in with this gem of a line. Your bum's gone to sleep again. Hold down the left cheek. And Lara looks at him and very happily, with a huge smile, goes, Really? It's fascinating. <laughs> Once again, that encapsulates what this entire movie should have been. Yeah. Those lines, fun, enjoy it. It's just such a weird line, but as somebody who deals with a sciatic nerve issue, my right side constantly goes numb. And so I felt it. I was like, oh man. That's super realistic. Get up and walk around. You need a massage? <laughs> get a little get a little hand massager. Work that out. Loved it. Great line. <laughs> and he delivers it so perfectly too. <laughs> and it cuts the tension. Yeah. Mine is uh, a little back and forth between Lara and her butler. And this is the moment we get the little side boob from Angelina as she's like getting dressed for the day. And her butler goes, And a lady should be modest. Yes, a lady should be modest. And I thought, because that's early in the movie, I was like, oh, this is how you're setting up your, your Lara. She's quippy. She's also secure of herself. I thought it was going to be a great intro into that character. Unfortunately, that's not how we continued. But I thought it was a good way to begin Lara. Yeah. Right, good. So, yeah. I enjoyed that one. Next up is the Han Shot First Award for what holds up the worst since this movie came out. Yeah. Go for it. The CGI. It's, okay. It, most specifically, like, that liquid CGI, the, the rock battle CGI. That whole period in the movie is just garbage. Yeah. Mine, uh, we already talked about, so I won't really harp on it too much, but it's Angelina Jolie's accent. Yeah, I can see it. Hate it. Hate every moment of it. Our last award is the Paul Rudd Award for what holds up the best since this movie came out. Mine is the nature of the movie and having those video game moments, like the fighting the robot at the beginning, the sledding at the end, some of the action scenes, the... The plot itself, the idea of like a tablet of time, 
that's a video game thing. Mm-hmm. Like, it all worked video game-wise. Movie-wise, not so much. That's fair. Mine is sort of in the same vein. It is the video game accurate costume. I really liked that feel of, like, that is Lara Croft. Ah, that is so cool. And then it went downhill from there. <laughs> I'm trying to think of what outfit she wears that's very video game. Because from what I remember, when this movie came out, all the games basically had her in tan shorts mm-hmm. and, like, a blue tank top. And she never wears that in the game or it's, in the movie. It's not necessarily, like, the same coloring. The but holsters she, make a lot of sense. The holsters do. She does the short shorts and the tank top. So it's mm-hmm. similar, but Fair. it's not exact. Yeah. It gave me the right The feel. video game nature of it. Yes. We, get, we have the same thing. That's it. That's it for this episode. Final thoughts. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. It, it doesn't hold up. There, it's so confusing of a story. It makes no sense. Things just randomly happen. And just, it, it's not good. Yeah, it's not a good movie. It's the pacing's all wrong and weird. And nothing about it works. It's a convoluted mess of ideas, so it doesn't hold up. Plain and simple, guys. Yep. There you go. Two does not hold up for 2001's Lara Croft Tomb Raider. Thanks for listening, guys. You can find us anywhere. Uh, Podcasts are available. Check out our other stuff. We did Mortal Kombat last week. That was a lot of fun. If you go back two episodes, we did Batman Forever with our buddy Maddie from the No Nerds Were Harmed podcast. That was a lot of fun. You guys should definitely check that one out. You can find us on all the socials by clicking the link in the description on this podcast. That's our link tree. It can show you our TikTok, our Twitter, our YouTube channel, everything. Our special episode is coming out this Friday. It is only available on YouTube, so please go check it out. We're trying to build a community over there as well as we do with you guys here on the podcast. And we're going to be pitching our, our video game movies. We're going to tell you what video game we think Hollywood should turn into a movie, what that story should be, and what the cast should look like. So definitely go subscribe on YouTube right now so that you can check that out this Friday. Next week, I don't know what we're doing. You'll just have to come back and find out. (laughs) Ooh, cliffhanger. (laughs) And in the meantime, guys, thank you for listening. Keep watching movies. Bye.